welcome to the way of the womb podcast my name is beck i'm your host and i'm a trauma-informed holistic birthing doula womb worker and earth lover i am here to support you and all womb owners whether that's through your monthly cycles and navigating the everyday or whether that's to support your journey through the rite of passage of pregnancy and birth my passion is to support souls to come home to themselves so you can connect back to your innate power, your intuition and the wisdom of your body so you can feel empowered and live your truth. On this platform, we will be discussing periods, pregnancy, plant medicine, birth, trauma, mental health, spirituality, earth to body connection and everything in between. This is a place for conscious souls to gather so that together we can heal, thrive and live authentically, unapologetically as ourselves. This is the Way of the Womb podcast. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited for today's episode. I am here with the lovely Kemi Johnson. Hi, Kemi, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. It's a real honour to be on your podcast. I admire your work and, yeah, I'm very excited about this conversation. Very excited. Me too. And thank you so much for saying that. And as I just said to Kemi before we press record on this podcast, that Kemi has been such an inspiration um, for me and my work and being able to speak my truth. So thank you, Kemi, for inspiring so many others, not just myself. I know there's a lot of people out there that you do inspire and that you're bringing healing and knowledge and empowerment to. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Honestly, it's an honour. It really is. It's a pleasure to answer the call. It, it definitely is a call. And um, mm. I know you've answered it too. And it, it, the how much it consumes of your life increases over time. <laughs> yeah, and, I can uh, imagine. <laughs> I, I can definitely sense that I've been guided to another level of sharing and caring. Um, but it's only what I can um accommodate you know it's i've been gently introduced to this and have been observing for a long time um the realm that i've been asked to operate in and yeah clarity comes with time and i never used to be able to describe myself as wise but i definitely think now i am definitely a wise woman and um oh you absolutely are a wise woman <laughs> i've never said that but it, it you just say suddenly like a veil um, is drawn aside and you just realize and you also don't get cocky about it because you realize they're giftings it's it's a mm. gift to me it's not it's not because I'm so amazing it's literally it's a calling uh, that I've been gifted with occasionally it doesn't feel like a gift but it, it definitely yeah. is and yeah we just have to step into it don't we and I know you're having a similar journey yeah, I, I love the way you've just described that because it is almost like I know sometimes when I'm speaking about things uh, or people go, oh, that was really good. I'm like, I don't even think that was me. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> was that me? Did I say that? Sometimes I read stuff and I'm like, no, nah, I didn't say that. And I'm like, oh my, oh my God, God, no. I didn't. Oh my God. God, 
why did you say that? I was looking at some of my posts from 10 years ago. And I was like, did I write that? I just put it in a book. It's like, maybe. It's like a channel. It's like something comes through. And that's some of the women that I work with during my womb healing. You know, it's like I say to them, it's like, you know, you don't, you don't birth it you do well you do birth it through your body but it's like when you listen you are led by it something drops in and that's what you go with it's not you're not creating it you're just birthing whatever's coming through you if that makes sense yes it makes perfect sense oh goodness i love it oh god five minutes in and we're dropping in deep already i love it channel you're so right oh my gosh it's like you can't even walk away from it oh, no. you, can't, you, you can't and you don't want to it's really no. home it's, Absolutely. Not, it's not a comfortable home always but it's kind of where you're supposed to be yeah absolutely and I think <laughs> when you know I remember when I first started talking about birth and people had asked me questions and I'd answer the questions and be like I can't remember learning that. And I'd be like, shit, oh my God, have I told them wrong information? I'm going to have to go and double check that that's the truth. And then I'd check and I'd be like, yeah, that's true. And I'm like, I yeah. feel like it's remembering rather than learning and passing it's on information. It's like I'm remembering. Oh, oh my goodness. It's remembering. You're right. And, and you're right. That phenomena is exactly the same with me. Um, you know, like I do read a lot. Um, and... Mm. And I do read a lot about birth physiology as well, but my mm-hmm. understanding of it seems to come from somewhere else. It, 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 you know, and and the, the stats that I remember and the mechanisms that I remember, and I'm thinking, why do you remember it to that detail? You know, where does that come from? And I, I, I swear, it's it is a manifestation of other. It could be another us. But it's definitely outstanding. You know, it's not the same person that's getting bladdered on a bottle of Prosecco. It's, it's a slightly different person. <laughs> no, that's the weekend. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's another Kemi, you know. But, um, <laughs> the, the bladdered Kemi emerges from time to time. But yeah. I, I, I admit, not being on call, I thought I would have been far more wedded to Prosecco but strangely I'm not I'm I'm actually getting drunk on the acceleration of the sharing of information around childbirth I've seen mm. a lot of it happening I've seen a lot of people with the call um coming out of the shadows and standing up and being loud and I'm actually getting quite drunk on that yeah wow I love that oxytocin high or something oh, yeah Oh yeah. Oh, that's so good. Now you know I can't help but feel that it's so relevant to everything that's ex- we're experiencing right now. I mean, you know, with the kind of the pandemic and everything that's gone on, it's been like this yeah. catalyst where we've just been completely thrown into the divine feminine of the unknown and you know the okay the surrender. And that is, that is birth as well, isn't it? And it's like, is this emergence of all of these people and these voices coming together and speaking out about birth because it is the catalyst of feminine power, which is what we're in right now, this unknown, like, messiness and, you know, beauty as well and the stillness. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, I can't help but feel that it's so mirrored. 
But you know, when, when you describe that just now, the messiness, the chaos, um, mm-hmm. have you, have you, I'm sure you have observed that when you relinquish or, or submit, surrender, when we do that to the flow, mm. it actually creates a very beautiful order, like an orchestra, like harmonies of vibration with the earth. I know it sounds so rude, but... Oh my gosh, you do. You speak in my language. <laughs> oh, well, but it's a language. It's a new language for me. And mm. it's so much bigger than the language I used to really mostly speak, which is science. and. Yeah physiology and order um, now that I have uh, surrendered to the flow of the entire universe it feels like um, mm. it feel it feels like a really powerful energy going through through me the, the, and yes it looked chaotic to to the outside because they couldn't hear what I could hear on the inside because we all are tuned in to the voices that we need to hear and yes. for sure, it all seems we we are coming together like an orchestra from all around the world. There's there's a birth. I'll give you an example. There's a birth keeper who's she's written a book. I won't mention her name, um, but you'll probably see us later together. Yeah. Um, she, she's written a book, and she um, she was contacting me, being very fastidious about contacting me, and I was in the middle of chaos because there was loads of changing I was trying to hear thoughts trying to hear what I was supposed to do next etc so I was unable to be reliable in my responses back to her or she wanted to do a project together or to join with her it was a very strange situation I just couldn't get back to her it'd be weeks before I get back to her and stuff and mm. then I, she made an announcement on Facebook the other day um, that she was you know so doing what I've just done, basically, which is deregister for the Nursing and Midwifery Council, mm. which obviously looked very weird to some people. Like, why would you deregister from something that, you know, you worked so hard to get onto? But yeah. That's another story. But anyway, yeah. um, so she made the announcement. So I did that last year, and then she made the announcement that she's just done it. And so I congratulated her, and I was so excited. And then I, I can't remember what she said. Like, I said, oh, when I'm at my next stop, you should come and visit me in Mexico. And then she said, but I'm already in Mexico. <laughs> no, <gasps> no, I know Mexico's a big place. But my jaw just, yeah, she definitely um, intended to head in the direction that I'm heading in. That was what I remember from her project. So we're, and we're being brought together anyway. So I, I love the way that our steps are ordered and that appears to be ordered despite it looking like chaos. That's, I think yeah. that's where it's I love that but you know there is beauty in chaos isn't there it's like I always think of the you know we say mother earth we think of the divine feminine energy like the creation and you know I do just mean women and men it's like the energy archetypes that we all have that's right exactly I know people do try and simplify it and it's it's never that we're talking about the divine feminine and that's not about gender absolutely absolutely it's wonderful the way things are coming together it is and I can't help but feel like you know when we look at mother earth it's like she creates these flowers and vegetables and fruits and all this beautiful life and the trees around us which is all absolute beauty but she also creates tsunamis and earthquakes and she is the 
you know radical catastrophic beauty in everything yeah. and like yeah. they're so woven into each other aren't they it's woven into each other and it's I think it, by and large if we were I think we've been pushing against that as yes. humanity um and it <laughs> How's it working out for us? Let's just say that. <laughs> I, I really think that we could all do with um, taking taking a step back and realising that um, every apparent step forward we're making is actually making our lives much, much worse. Um, and like, for instance, when you were talking about her beauty, and I was I was thinking about that film. Um, I've forgotten what it's called, but is it Fabulous Fungi or something? But oh, it's about Plastic it, Fungi. Right. Oh my gosh, that film blew <sighs> my mind. And yeah. I, I and and then it, it was almost like a call home um, mm. for me. It was like, okay, now you 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 know you kind of been avoiding i haven't avoided nature but the only time i interact with it is on a beach somewhere you know yeah. um i i really i really do realize now how the whole mother earth can hold us and nourish us and help us and but but also there's a cycle and us accepting chaos and death is also part of having the most marvelous life and I think the, the problem we have with medicine's interaction with childbirth is that despite the poor results, this obsession with eradicating death, um, yeah. I, I don't know where it comes from. It doesn't make any sense. And they're trying to eradicate death from childbirth, but at huge cost to those of us that live through it. Yeah. So, so we live through it. So our children live through it. But what kind of life do they have? We yes. have increasing incidents of HIE, um, where basically oxygen deprivation. So we, we, we're having increasing chance, um, increasing chances of that happening with our children going into neonatal intensive care because of their birth trauma, because of their birth experience. So why do we think that's acceptable? Do we, is that okay? But I don't think you know. Thankfully, Hannah Darling's research that was published yesterday points to it. Um, so there's more admitting there, there. There was more babies being admitted to neonatal intensive care for these kind of issues. Um, the the cohort that they studied, I think, what I remember from the results, I only read it yesterday, but I, I just skimmed it. Was that by the age of 16, those differences have disappeared, if I remember. But mm. we're, 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 talking, we're talking about exchanging an, an amazing, evolved, evolving, age-old process of getting humans onto the planet with whatever medicine has got to offer, which is also imperfect. I personally, just this for me, but people might say, well, you're not a childbearing age anymore. You're like, you're going to be 55 this month. Mm. Yeah. But I, I still, um, I still feel all those emotions and need when I, when I cover my grandchild, you know, Absolutely. I, feel, I feel desperate for him to be here and, and to never leave him and, you know, I smell his neck, and I'm in raptures. Mm. I, I'm I'm falling deeply and deeply in love with this new person. Um, 
however, I don't know if I would swap his uh, his absence. In it's an awful thing to say, his absence. Say if he never made, mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd swap that for him to have neurological damage or or a challenging childhood or any, or any of the other pains that children suffer because of birth damage. And when you talk about birth damage, you're talking in the terms of when we interfere interfere with birth or when the medical yeah. world interferes with the yeah. physiological process. Yeah, and, mm. and, and I know it's not my place to say for any parent, it's for each parent to decide, but I just don't think they're given the space to think about it because they're bombarded with um, medicine's need to control things. You know, take for instance, you know, this this is what I've seen play out from inductions, um, largely through my birth reflection sessions, because none of the people I actually look after ever choose to induce, which is yeah. odd. Um, I, 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 I seriously just provide information um, and they choose to wait. Um, they yeah. choose to wait with monitoring. Um but not every day or every other day, you know, they, yeah. they'd probably have me in twice a week. And then perhaps if there's reduced movements, then they might go into their unit or they might mm -hmm. attend a post-based clinic. But from my other work, um, I've seen um, inductions cascade to um, a shoulder dystocia, for instance, mm -hmm. and the shoulder dystocia cascade to a broken clavicle or a brachial plexus injury or the baby needing head cooling, going to neonatal intensive care, so that separation from their child. I've yes. seen induction lead to um, signs of prematurity. I've seen induction lead to babies being on oxygen. Their life, actually. Um, I've seen the third degree tear or fourth degree tear um, as a cascade of induction. Um, so there's no, you know, poor body image, um, pain, repeated surgery, um, loss of sexual relations, mm -hmm. loss of trust in their own selves. I've seen um, cascades of induction lead to the cesarean and the nicked bowel or the nicked bladder mm -hmm. or a scar across a baby's face. Seeing the baby go to a neonatal intensive care for respiratory distress, um, needing CPAP um, to help them to, to breathe properly, so it's more separation. Most regularly we see uh, induction cascades to the baby losing out on a third of their blood complement, yeah. or because the baby's surgically born, not receiving their immune system boot mm -hmm. that they need right at the beginning. With, their, with the microbiome acquired from passing through their mother's vagina and, and being born with their lips almost kissing their mother's mm -hmm. anus, which is all required. Um, so those are the two most important losses to the future health mm -hmm. of the next generation. Um, and there's other things that I you know, can't recall right now. But I just wonder if everyone's aware of what they're swapping for for a few more babies yeah. to be around wow. yeah and it's such a huge yeah. thing isn't it and what if so say if someone was listening to this now and they are pregnant and 
you know we see all the time women you know being certain language being used to make women believe that they are a good mother if they get induced and you know if they don't listen to that then you know it's something could happen to their baby or you know this type of language that we hear all the time what advice would you give to someone if they were wanting to refuse an induction how could they go about doing that well you see the law in the UK at the moment we better use it before we lose it because hearing a lot of people being court ordered to receive these things now is is quite a big worry but um, you basically, you don't you don't need to justify your mm-hmm. refusal. You just say mm-hmm. no. And actually, the repeated phone calls and emails and the occasional showing up at the house, etc., that's all yeah. harassment. And you, you need to start using the law because if you don't use it, <laughs> I know it shouldn't be that way. But I'm very concerned about the changes we're seeing in the application of the law and the way midwives and obstetricians are able to spin outcomes for judges and judges will then um provide court orders for the most heinous things stripping um women of birthing people of their human rights um wholesale it's a worry your place of birth enshrined in law that we can give birth anyway can give birth at the side of the street if we wanted Mm -hmm. to and um and that that's being taken away we're now having people restrained and carried into units because midwives and obstetricians have spun some information probably provided a, a Cochrane review of randomized controlled trials so something that you can't you, you can't really define by RCTs wow. you know it's it's it, but using those results to get what they want and so for parents that are in this situation I'd love you to remember that actually the whole work is done in you um, we love our children and we would die for our children but we've got to consider what kind of life are we providing for them? What what chances are we taking for the life that they will have mm-hmm. um, by us really trying to cheat or avoid death? Um, I, re- I, I, I it's a really hard question, and I'm not asking it flippantly. Yeah. But once that work is done within the parent, once the parent knows why they're choosing things and, and and honestly you're not risking a large chance we're, we're talking about tiny figures yeah. in a thousand um you know the vast majority of us will come through childbirth with a live baby in our arms yeah um but also now you've got to be able to see now that the cascade that comes from bringing your baby out early we're only discovering the things you know that we're able to research at the moment we don't know the other outcomes um we there's still a lot to learn we still don't really know the effects of synthetic oxytocin on on your the future child's ability to emote receive love etc we're still studying that The, the jury is not out on that yet so, so whilst we don't know, all of the, there's all these unknowns, there's one thing that is certain. If most people are left alone to give birth, birth will unfold in the vast majority of times well, because that's the way we repopulate the planet. Yeah. Um, and if you can trust yourself and you can trust the process by which this planet has been populated for many, many, many thousands of years without medicine, if you can tune into that wisdom 
that that body wisdom, that planet wisdom. If you can tune into that, you will have the strength to say no or no thank you. And that's yes. all that needs to be said. You do not need to justify why you're declining it. And if they're asking you to, you are being harassed. Yes. Yeah, thank you for saying that. And I I don't know, I can't remember who it was that said it to me or where I read it, but that no is a full sentence. Exactly. No is a full sentence. That's right. And I think it's so important to acknowledge or for the information to be out there that you do not have to do x y and z it is not you know law what your doctor says and absolutely like take on the information and listen but then come back to yourself because you know yourself better than anyone and your baby better than anyone and go is this right for me you know do I have do I know the risks and the benefits do I know if there's any alternatives what happens if I you know that brain tick lists of um going through that list to make decisions is so important rather than just taking everything as fact that we hear and why why do you think then that there's been you know obviously we've seen such an increase in induction why do you think that is I think it's been the focus of our maternity services um, since they started the Every Baby Counts initiative, um, mm. that's been their focus, dogged, blind focus to reduce the figures, no matter how much or how little, and regardless of the impact on the quality of life of parents and their babies. Mm. So, so, so it's the, the, and so the pressure has been on parents in an increasing amount over the years. And I think once we entered this situation with a virus last year, February, and the parents lost their advocates in the room in the form of their partner or the doula, mm. I think it's all gone to hell in a handbasket and the induction rates are off the chain and cesarean rates always go off the chain in in correlation with induction so we have a very big problem when it comes to the whole health of the parents are going through maternity services at the moment and of course ultimately the children yeah Um, so we do have a massive problem and it is since really they've kind of focused on oh let's perfect these stillbirth rates let's do that we're talking about rates numbers numbers not quality of life not quality of outcome no numbers numbers um Mm -hmm. you know very dogged response to something rather than you know we already had the evidence that more midwifery care actually a continuity of care would reduce the stillbirth rate but uh, no it's not so much fun and that means that we're making women more important and women aren't important at all they're just vessels to carry the future generation so we'll just focus on more machines more orders of synthetic oxytocin more pharmaceuticals pharmaceutical companies are really happy the doctors get their kickbacks so they're happy 
um, they get to feel a bit more in control, a bit more massaging yeah. the God complex and the ego. So, you know, to them, that's just a great day at work. You know, how many pregnancies have we ended today? Not looking at wounded wow. women, you know, the, the chance that the, 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 I mean, we've got appalling breastfeeding rates and there's a direct correlation between the birth experience and breastfeeding success. So breast and chest feeding. So, so, you know, oh, we don't care about that. No, no, we've, we've reduced the stillbirth rate by 0.07%. So, you know, it's brilliant. Yeah, and how much has, in doing that and in going into this process, has the rate of birth trauma increased? I can't even imagine. I'm guessing a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, records say about a third of people that are going through MAT services at the moment are coming out traumatised and then we've got the different degrees of trauma um, so that's a big figure but oh no we'll just stick our fingers in our ears and sing through that we'll still go after that 0.023% of syllabus that you know that we just have to reduce them you know if, if anything else, you know, with, with treatment generally in medicine, if something's below 1%, if, the, if you bringing something in has an effect below 1%, it's just not done. It's just, it's yeah. just not worth it, right? But women, let's just tell them all, you're wrong. Why are you still pregnant at 41 weeks? You know, okay, for instance, somebody messaged me the other day and said, um because I posted some evidence about obstetric cholestasis or intrahepatic cholestasis of pregnancy being an indication that it would be better for the baby to be out than in. So um, we've known that since 2019. Great, great study in the Lancet um, that proved that. Sorry, Kami, Kami, would you mind just repeating that? It just cut out for a moment. Okay, yeah, definitely. I know it's very dull, but I'm going to repeat it. Maybe that's why it cut out, because it's so dull. <laughs> but, There was a great study in The Lancet about um, obstetric cholestasis or intrahepatic cholestasis of pregnancy, which is a liver condition that can occur in pregnancy um, for a few women. And mm. um, they found that the correlation with stillbirth and bile acid readings it had to be a hundred or more um mm. for there to be a connection with stillbirth um so we've had we had i think in our guidance we had 40 if it was 40 or more but it turns out it's a hundred or more but anyway when it was 40 or more um women with bile acid readings of 10 or 20 or 15 were it were being induced they were saying yeah we need to induce the, the labor now um now um, the, pre the pregnancy ought not to end unless the readings are 100 or more. Last week, somebody, um, you know, is, is now asking me for reflection following their induction that cascaded to cesarean because they read my article and said, but I had my baby last month and my bile acid readings were 10. Wow. And they said that we needed to induce the labour and it was orphan it cascaded to cesarean and all the usual bells and whistles so you know people say that oh it wouldn't it be great if we just received evidence-based care but when the evidence is there whoever the powers that be are in that particular trust choose to ignore it for their own agenda 
Yeah. Um, so, so that's why I'm saying it's not, you know, people say, oh, you're a bit hard on maternity services. But I ought to be because any other profession <coughs> where you just ignore the evidence, just ignore it. Yeah, let's just ignore it for 17 years. You know, any other profession that we did that, we'd be hauled over the coals. You know, if, yeah. if there was a best practice way of doing something and we just chose to do it the old way for 20 years because it was convenient. But it's somehow maternity, you know, just seems to have, they just seem to get away with it. Despite the fact that of all the negligence claims um, in, in the NHS generally, 50% of the negligence payments are for maternity care. So you think that it would attract some close attention to see what is it that you're doing that's costing us so much. Gosh, and it just it just seems so counterintuitive with the big movements that are going on at the moment, you know, like we want everyone's mental health, like that's we talk here about it all the time. It's like, you know, mental health, get help and all this. And it's like, but you're knowingly going and doing for mothers and birthing people and not only them their babies as well which are born in adrenaline are more likely to go on and experience that it's like that's right they go on to also have mental health challenges exactly and it's like is this I, i know i don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist but it's like how does this work if you know that this is causing trauma and causing mental health not only for one generation but another and a ripple effect onto family members yeah then why are we continuing to do it if there is no hard evidence to say that it is improving people's lives that's right that's right that's right right. i love the way you put it under the umbrella are we improving people's lives or not with these actions you see we could we, like you say, it, you know, sometimes it sounds like a conspiracy theory, but we don't need to have that conversation, fortunately, because we recognise that really all we need to be doing is speaking with the parents mm-hmm. so that they can be making informed choices because they're certainly not doing that at the moment because they're not being given the information. In fact, sometimes the information is very hard to find. Yeah. I had to, when, when, I, when I was looking for accurate statistics on stillbirth which doesn't include the SWEPIS study I'm afraid because everyone who actually reads research knows that you can't conclude on a quarter of a study if it's supposed Mm. to be powered at 10,000 participants and you've only had two and a half thousand you can't conclude and yet the choice to do that was made and you know I don't know how many people got paid to to review that paper and 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 then publish it I don't know it's very irregular so you can't go on the SWEPIS study um so I then went to Mooglu which is another study just to see um because you know it it was a whole study (laughs) it was a whole review actually Mm. of of the of literature but when I got there to with all the tables and everything else, for me to trawl through it to actually get the figures, they made it so difficult. <laughs> I just like what? <laughs> it's like I, I really I spent hours trying to get the silver figures. So I mm. I think I, I don't know I don't know if that's by design also, because then how can parents make an informed decision if it's so so difficult to get yeah. the figures? need 
So I, I just think those of us that have the time and the calling, we just need to keep talking to parents and getting them the information they need for the decision. They're, yeah. It's quite to the point that they're all that matter to me now. And of course, I feel, I feel for my colleagues that are in the NHS that are desperate to protect families from what they know is going on, at, you know, at their own peril. They're really trying to help families and staying within it to help families. And I love them for that. Yet my focus is still on the families. I need the families to actually know what their chances are. You know, I'm trying not to use the word risk. You know, what their chances are. And and to flip the statistic as well is a very good thing for their health, um, their emotional health. Because when people are saying things to you like 0.02% and all of this, it doesn't mean anything. But if somebody said, oh, it's 99.98% chance that you're going to be okay, that does mean something to a lot of parents. So I'm I'm going to just do a flip the stat post at some point as well, just to help people understand. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, hearing that, it's it's given it, a reframe because so much of the language that's used in the birthing world has a negative connotation to it or a connotation of failure to some point you know or you're failing to progress you're not even in active labor yet the word labor itself like all of these words although I would I I I I contest I I have um, spoken with a lot of birth keepers about this. I think labour is, I don't see why labour is negative. And I Mm. certainly, everyone I've seen give birth, they've certainly put in some work. So I'm quite okay with the word labour because it is work. I don't want anyone to be under the illusion that you can just breathe your baby out all the time you know everyone yeah. who's watched a woman give birth knows that they've put in a lot of work so. yeah, <laughs> but, that's but, very true but and, and I want to commend them for that I don't want to belittle that or, or demean you know make that small they, they've really worked but you know like you say failure you know when I was being trained as a midwife you know everyone was really happy to band those words around failure to progress and, and it wasn't until I'd actually left that environment and I went, wait a minute, no, this is failure to wait. This is not mm. failure to progress. Love if that. You'd, if you'd waited, everything would have been, would have unfolded in its time. By yeah. all means, make people comfortable whilst they're giving birth. You, you know, you do your best to assist with comfort, but you ought not to be trying to hurry the process. Yes, that's so true. And so leading on from kind of what we've just spoken about, how do you feel that we can turn this around? How can we turn this around? Because I refuse to believe that we can't. How can we turn this around and start returning birth to its natural state of being a physiological event rather than a medical event? I think with courage, parents to be a parent takes courage yeah and with that courage i want parents to make their individual choices i i i i I finally you know really embrace the idea of celebrating each individual win Mm -hmm. and so when one parent decides to trust in themselves in the process and their baby because the baby releases a signal to be born once they choose that trust path and then 
they're holding their baby in their arms. I, I, I'm overwhelmed with joy for them. Some mm. won't end up, and I'm talking about a tiny minority, will not end up with their baby in their arms. And three quarters, sorry, two thirds of the babies that don't make it, we still don't know the reason why. So ending pregnancies is a, quite a blunt instrument for this situation. Oh, if we just stop you from being pregnant now, then you'll have a live baby. Because that's all they're doing. When, you, when, when, you're, when you're making an apparent reduction in the silver figures, all they're doing is ending the pregnancy earlier. Every week there's going to be a, a, a few babies that are stillborn. Um, it's Because mm. that's life. It's part of life. So if we stop people being pregnant at 41 weeks instead of 42 weeks, then you're going to reduce the stillbirth rate. Just, just you're going to, and that's and that's the that's the blunt instrument they're using. So yeah. what I would say to parents, embracing all that you are, the magnificence of your being, and your ability to grow another human inside of you, and then get that human Earth side, that vast majority of the time alive. If you're able to do that, then you personally will have won. There's someone that wants to speak to the parents about when she waited and had a home birth and she didn't have a live baby at the end and how that whole experience has still been of benefit for her despite mm -hmm. the fact that she's not cuddling her child now. She's gone on to have more children. She's not, she's not cuddling that one, okay? Yeah. Um, so so, um, so all I'm saying is how we turn it around one family at a time, one mm. baby at a time. Just enable those parents to take that trust and create a magnificent experience for themselves and their, and their little ones. The vast majority of time, birth works. It unfolds, it works. So mm. that's how I feel. That's how I feel we're tackling it. One post at a time, one cuddle at a time, one crying session at a time, one reflection session at a time, one prayer at a time, one family at a time, one baby at a time. And I think that's how we'll turn it around. Thank you so much for saying that. I feel like I've got shivers everywhere because it's so, yeah, it's just so beautifully the way you put that. I think it is that, you know, that slow, unfailing rather than coming in it's it, that is the feminine isn't it it's a flower blooming it's that slow process but that deep deep wisdom that comes through when we go slow like how everything in nature does when we slowly start to do it yeah. and heal deeply rather than just wipe over everything with a plaster and go right yeah gonna exactly. come in with the kind of exactly. the wounded masculine archetype or energy of right everyone is the same let's everything's very linear let's wipe across and let's just stop induction it's like well what if we because you know it's that that quote comes to mind um we can't heal with the same thing that caused the trauma in the first place or whatever it is yeah. um it's like that slow kind of okay one family at a time because each one is a beautiful oh this event it starts this ripple effect and other people go wow I want that too yeah absolutely absolutely you know for me right now the power of the parent is everything mm. um, we, we are growing um 
I, I know the Bible because my grandmother um, like used to help me read it and you know taught me to read with it and um, and they the, there's a part of the Bible that says um, your your children will be olive plants around your table and will rise up and call you blessed and they're talking mm -hmm. about the role of the mother and I I, I really do see that, that if we can um, permit, not even permit, if we can create the circumstances where parents reclaim their power um, and are able to then, because they are nourished, nourish their families, um, I, I think that I can't see any more important, important work to do on the planet than that. And yeah. so every time we sit and listen to someone as they cry or as they mull over a decision, any, all of those things, those pure acts of love that we can share for others, we have to love ourselves first. I mean, we were discussing this before. You know, if, mm -hmm. if we're not sleeping well, if we're not well-nourished, if we're not in appropriate relationships, if we're not, um, you know... <clears throat> nourishing our own minds, etc., looking after our own mental health, we can certainly be of benefit to families. So we have to be able to do that for ourselves first. But then if we can give ourselves purely to families and give them space to mull things over, decide, get information for them if they're finding it difficult to access, etc., um, I can't think of any better work. But then again, I'm probably biased. <laughs> well, I was just thinking, do. she's so right, I agree, but I'm also biased. <laughs> But I, I can't see any other reason for my existence other than, you know, serving my own family and loving my own family. I, I just think we have to love others. And uh, yeah. the true expression of love is honouring them and their decision-making and helping them to make the best choices that arise mm. for them. Yes, and uh, it's that and other things just come to mind as well that I believe is so true is that we can only love another as much as we can love ourselves and it always starts internally doesn't it yeah. it's like cultivating that self-love that self-trust enough yeah. to in a society where we're taught to distrust our bodies at every every yeah. step yeah. can we radically reclaim and go now i love my body my i trust my body yeah and um, yeah. it's so important it's not that what we give whilst we're on the journey isn't important you know, we're, we're, whilst you're on this journey, you're still giving great things, but it's just the closer you get to that self-love and, and the ability to purely love others, um, mm. the better serving you do, the, the better your service is. Yes. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a journey worth taking because every day that goes by, you'll be able to give yourself good things and give others really really good things mm, oh, I love that thank you so much and I know we're coming to the end now but I've just realized I didn't even ask you to introduce yourself at the beginning <laughs> is it too late <laughs> that's so funny oh my goodness yeah make sure you do a good like intro <laughs> we went straight into it didn't we there was no mess about yeah, uh, thank you for remembering. Uh, my name is Kemi Johnson, and <laughs> I am a birth keeper. <laughs> and um, I was a UK registered midwife, but I am now traveling um, probably mostly Africa and Central America uh, to learn from other 
midwives um, and traditional birth attendants, see what works, see what doesn't, and it now appears that's come into view. My intention is to share or to facilitate sharing of skills at a retreat in Mexico once a year, or maybe even twice. So that's what's coming into view now. And I will always continue my virtual work with parents whilst we're doing that. But yeah, it's, um, it's really just such a pleasure to be on your show, Beck. And um, just to say to all of us that have got our shoulder to the wheel right now, it's making a difference. Um, I've got to say that uh, quite um, a, a midwife that I admire very much, um, who's active on social media, um, sent me a private message that, uh, so this is actually made my week, my month, my year, sent a private mm -hmm. message that there's a trust that uh, having a meeting about the amount of parents that are declining to be induced. Oh, wow, that's exciting. Isn't it exciting? No. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Oh my so, gosh, you'll have to let me know how it is. I Sounds know, well, I don't know the trust and I, I may not end up knowing how it went, but I'm just exhilarated that they're having to have the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, I mean, that's a, such a positive, isn't it? Like, God, that's really, really, especially seeing what everything that's happening in the birth world at the moment, that's like music to my ears. So, Honestly, isn't it wonderful? So yeah. I squealed and yeah, it, <laughs> it's, um, it's definitely given me rocket fuel today. Amazing. And thank you so much. I cannot wait to see how <laughs> your journey unfolds on your your mission on your pilgrimage that you're going on over Africa and Central America. It just sounds unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Um, very and, exciting. I'm very lucky. And they are so lucky to have you as well. And wow, I can't wait to see how it all unfolds and hear all about it. Oh, gosh, I'll be doing some vlogging. <laughs> yes, I can't wait. Thank you so much, Kemi. I really, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you and so much. I think this has brought us to a beautiful little end with an introduction at the end. I love it. <laughs> what are we like? Oh my gosh. Well, so take care and I'll speak to you soon. Lots of love. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Way of the Womb podcast. If this episode resonated with you and if you enjoyed this episode, please take a screenshot and share this on your social media. Tag me at Beck Wallace Birthkeeper and drop me a message. Let me know how you found it. And if you feel called, please feel free to leave a review. It just helps other people to find the podcast so that we can build community and gather together. Thanks so much. Sending all the love.